welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up Podcast with myself, Daryl, and as ever, Ian. Good week this week, not hungover this time. Better than last week. Last week was a bit of a struggle. Felt the most unprepared and as a complete flip round, this is the most prepared I've been. So well, I've you've got, got yourself comfy this week, haven't got you? Myself. you got your shoes off and shoes off, no bin and they say still called me out for trying to cough out of the window uh or around the corner and one. um said that i was going to puke in the bin but i wasn't but i've got uh, i'm stacked with notes and ready to go agreed um and i think we've got quite a bit to get through this week and to be honest i'm pretty desperate for a pint it's been a long week so uh let's dive straight into it um i have i think first thing that we want to go into just because i've seen it quite recently sorry last night um big light heavyweight announcement uh Yeezy Prohaska and Glover Teixeira 2 set to go down at UFC 282 December 10th Las Vegas um, as far as I can see and again this is something that I, I'm i a casual uh, as as we seem to do in these podcasts quite a lot uh, I'm the casual of this and I went back and watched the first uh, Prohaska fight which was UFC 275 remember rightly good scrap um, yeah so submission via near, uh, rear naked choke round 5 Good come, good come from behind victory. Um, pretty much, uh, they released the scorecards after. Um, uh, he was behind on every scorecard to Glover Teixeira. I mean, he is a weathered guy. He's been around a long time. Got to be into his early forties. Uh, not that that's particularly old, I should say. But um, <laughs> for for a professional fighter at that, um, you know, elite end of the spectrum, uh, he's done well. He hasn't. I say hasn't been in the UFC long. He's probably been in the UFC maybe 10 years. But he was always one of these guys that was renowned as one of the top guys outside the UFC. Was an absolute murderer. I think there were, as I understood it at the time, problems with him getting visa to fight in America at the time. Uh, which I think, again, the UFC, once they've uh, got the big bucks, can, can sort out and iron out in the background. But um, he was renowned on the underground, sort of seen as someone, if this guy comes in, he could cause real problems at light heavyweight. Um, and he's been pretty solid throughout. Um, won the title um, relatively late in his career. But um, yeah, well, he'd been um, champing at the bit for a rematch, given the, the fact that he lost and was, was on top on all uh, judges' scorecards before the, the submission. If I remember rightly, if you watched it last night, I watched it live this one. I think he went for a bit of a mistimed takedown which yeah. led to them in, um, taking his back and then ultimately sinking the choke in but again Teixeira is a high level black belt so to tap him out full stop is is impressive well it were a it was pretty much back and forth brawl um, it was definitely a, one of these that were a sort of a drag him out um, knock down that sort of fight I don't think anyone expected it to be the, the fight of the night which if I'm correct it, it won on the UFC 275 bit of a slugfest wasn't it, it was good it was very good um, I didn't see the scorecards and again I didn't watch this live um, so first time me watching it was last night I completely agree I think Teixeira was up on the cards um, obviously knowing that he actually was is makes me feel a bit vindicated that I'm clearly a UFC expert now um, but from what I could see about the reaction at the time so I went back and had a look at all this no one really expected uh, Prahaska to tap him out it looked like that was quite a bit of a shock to the majority of people. Um, it's currently on a 12-fight win streak. Looks decent. I, I was saying to you uh, when you mentioned to me off-air that you'd uh, you'd watch the fight, that he he has a cr- 
kind of crazy lifestyle that he's uh what i would call a legitimate legitimate martial artist so he trains like a bit like a samurai there's some videos of him um out in the woods punching trees and kind of very old school training methods which i always like and, and shows to me someone's taking this pretty seriously um i was just trying to think when you said earlier that it had been announced for for uh, ufc 282 why that stuck in my mind and i'm just thinking back it just flipped up now isn't that what we've discussed before and is that not a bo nichols debut was I think it? that's i think that's ah. what we i think i was thinking to myself why do i know 282 what's what's significant about that but i think it from memory having just been jogged and thinking about it then that was on a, a previous episode we, so that is well that's starting to look like a pretty good card definitely not stacked as 280 uh yeah. next week but starting to come together it's obviously a worse time for us than 280 as well um but yeah it's it one that i probably won't stay up to watch it because it's las vegas it's one of those that i'll probably catch the highlights of following it but um one to definitely keep an eye on i think yeah, yeah, good. I'd say, I'd be honest, even though I am probably the the more hardened uh, MMA fan of the two of us, uh, you mentioned to me, I didn't know that that had been announced. So that one um, seems to have been a busy week of work and there's been a lot of football this week as well. So I seem to have been very yeah. engrossed and I think we both come to that. We've both got a lot of stuff on football, but I seem to have had a very heavy, football-heavy week. Just going back to what you said that, I'm just thinking, I honestly cannot imagine how you start punching trees in woods and, and shit like that. Because like, one of my mates told me, oh, I'm training for a big fight. I'm a, you know, a fantastic mixed martial artist and uh, I'm thinking about going into it as a full-time career. All right, what did you do this weekend? You know, fighting a bear. I've been kicking fuck out of a tree. Uh, how do you get to that? Like, what? Why is no one calling them gimps? Like, If that's my mate, or if that's me, my mates would rip the shit out of me. Do you want to tell him that? No. Are you going to call him a gimp? <laughs> right, you want to give him a bell and kill? Oh, gimp, why are you punching trees? But um, I mean, if you think about it, look at thousands of years ago, martial arts, that very stereotypical in Japan or, or Asia where they've got the wooden shit that they're doing all those things on. It's kind of like that, isn't it? That's wood. You're hardening your knuckles, you're punching, which is just the same as a punch bag, but you're toughening everything about you as well because you're punching something hard punching punch bags the human head if you punch and you mistime a punch and you catch the jaw or the forehead which always people are breaking hands on that shit ain't soft like a punch bag so, I, I do just want to say um easy if you are listening to this uh, i retract everything about you being a gimp um it was just a hypothetical situation I, I get it and i think again for people that aren't enamored with martial arts you could look back and say this seems a bit serious but if you think about it, it, it it's it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It's just a punch bag, but harder. <laughs> and old school, before, punch bags are relatively recent. They've only been around 20, 30, 40, 50 years. What did people punch before that? Each, each other. other. Yeah. Or trees. <laughs> you know, you, you can't always be punching each other. You, can't, you haven't got a limitless supply of sparring partners. So as much as I can see from the lens that you're looking at, oh, you're a gimp. Go and tell him. See what he says. I... Someone who's punching trees <laughs> in their spare time is probably hard as fuck. Even I... if they are a gimp. <laughs> Well, I agree, I'm not going to be saying anything to anyone like that because I'd get my head stomped in. But um, I do have a major announcement for UFC. Um, but I'm going to let you get on with what you want to talk about first and come back to it. I'm going to let you stew on that. A major announcement. A major announcement. Something like you to string something out. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, um, so the only other thing I really had was um, Alexi Alanek had been removed from the UFC roster. Uh, again, maybe not the greatest and most renowned name 
getting on a bit in age, but 45. But for the more diehard fans, not only is he the only fighter in UFC history to pull off an Ezekiel choke and to finish someone with it, this motherfucker did it twice. I mean, you said this, so I, I still don't know what this is. I'm going to have to just Google this quickly while we're on air, but... It's a highly technical chokehold. Um, could I do one? Absolutely not. But um, would I ex- be able to appreciate the difficulty to do it with? Yes. And the fact, as you say, he's only... The, no one else has ever even put finished a fight with it. So he's done it twice. That shows a particular nous... And what I love about sometimes jiu-jitsu in MMA, guys just drill a particular technique. There are certain fighters that are known for having particularly ace. Ronda Rousey was always known for her armbar. Finished like nine UFC fights in a row by armbar. So she had just drilled that from every conceivable position to get there. And for someone to pull that off, as you say, I thought was worth a mention. I mean, I'm just looking at the pictures of it. How do you even get into that position? You're going to have to send me this video of this fight because... What? I'll, I'll find them for you. You like to give me homework, which I rarely do, to be fair. So I will, when we get back tonight after the pub, I will find you a couple of the Ezekiel chokes. And in fact, I'll even find you a breakdown on how to do it. I don't want any Ezekiel choke. I want his Ezekiel choke. Okay. That's the one I want to see. So I'll find it for you. Right then. Come on then. Are, now are you, now you've you, got me you in, sitting... on the seat of my chair. <laughs> on the seat of your chair? On the, well, you know, <laughs> on the edge of my seat. That's how excited I am. I can't even get my words out. So, the MMA world was in shock this week as a major star has announced his contract to fight in the UFC. Um, having a look at this, so Hasbullah. U- <laughs> UFC, uh, from what I can see, created a, a new weight class specifically to host. Um, it was the longtime women's featherweight bruiser Chris Cyborg. Correct. Correct. Um, so obviously it's not unrealistic to think that they might conjure up another unpopulated division to fit the next big combat sport sensation. None other. I'm not even looking at you. None but... other than Dagestani favourite, Hasbulla. I uh, can so tell he, by he the wrote... smugness where this was going. <laughs> he wrote on Instagram this week that the rumours are true. I've officially signed a deal to fight in the UFC Details will be revealed at the end of the year. Thank you to UFC, Dana White, Khabib, and everyone who's helped make this dream become a reality. All my fans will be able to buy a Hasbulla fight kit soon. <laughs> so, I mean, if it's not a PR stunt, this is going to be the greatest fight in UFC history. You know I me, mean? I like a bet. This is a PR stunt. <laughs> they will not let him fight, and I await with bated breath what this new weight class they've conjured up because uh, I believe the lowest weight class in MMA for women's fighting is atom weight which is 115 pounds um, I don't <laughs> I, I can't believe that you, you saved this as an announcement and the moment you said announcement even by the smugness of your voice I should have seen where this was going so I mean, um, realistically move on please I, I can't it's the best thing that's happened all week there isn't going to be a stateside commission approving any fight, is there? No! <laughs> Which is going to break my heart because this is clearly the best thing that would have ever happened to UFC. You're going to get outside people from Dagestani wanting to watch this for the one biggest star in the world. Now, I'm going to I'm going to rewind a bit because he, he's an adult. 
he can choose if he wants to fight. And if he makes weight class, which the lowest currently of the weight at uh, the UFC is 125, and he wants to go against trained killers and get his head kicked in, <laughs> then he is able to do that. But I'm pretty sure Dana White and the rest of Endeavour that own the UFC don't want to watch or, or publicise or have, you know, have on live TV a murder. So he could do it if he wanted. Well, There's gonna... no way in the world this is ever happening. He's, he's got to fight someone in his newly created decision, uh, division, and it? so he's not going to fight someone that's going to actually kill him. It'd be someone of his size and stature. Are you, you, you going to take this young man's dream away from him? I'll take him. Put him in the fight against me. Um, no, no. That, that, the only thing that I feel like you're... You'd be very discriminatory there, if I might say so, is these are weight classes, not height classes. So his height has zero impact on a weight class. How much do you think he weighs? I wouldn't like to say, but um, again, usually there is there is an upper limit. There is no lower limit. So if he wants to go in at the one two five weight class against trained professional fighters, he's a grown man. He's unable to change to say he, that he would. He weighs approximately thirty nine pounds, eighteen kilograms. I mean, that's what the weight of a dog. So I, think, I, I just think this is beyond the PR stunt and is ridiculous how can you call me discriminatory and then say you, it's the same way you as said the dog. same size and stature which implied his height these are weight classes so as long as he fights someone at the same weight his height would have would be irrelevant the funniest thing is when you type in how much does haspola weigh into google someone has asked the question the top question why is he so small well oh funny best thing that literally made my week um Nothing else on UFC, I'm guessing, and nothing no, no. else that can top um, that story. No, you, so you... I'll, I'll let you move swiftly onto football just while I compose myself. Where do we start? I mean, we've had a round of Premier League matches and uh, and the Champions League. There's a few stories in a few. I mean, let's rattle off a few little ones that I thought that maybe don't take a great deal of. of, uh, of I thought I'd noticed that maybe we just talk about. So, um, a relatively sad one I saw was uh, Enoch and Wepper if that's correct, correct. Uh, of Brighton. Uh, quite a prospect when I believe they bought him from Salzburg, uh, Red Bull Salzburg a couple of years ago. Sadly forced to retire at 24 due to a hereditary heart condition. So um, our best wishes to Enoch, but um, that's a sad one. I just thought I'd, I'd seen that in the news that you, you do see this seems to be happening more more regularly in in, UFC, in football that you see some of these things, but I don't remember one that young in a career. 24, that's really taken away from him. That's very sad. Yeah, he had um, Fabrice um, Mwamba come out in support of him uh, this week, obviously, with everything that happened to him. So he's experienced something very, very similar. Luckily, not got to the same stage as, as Mwamba. That was obviously significantly worse is probably the wrong way to say because it's still a massive impact on him, but worse in the sense that that was something that obviously impacted the footballing world of how that occurred. But yeah, he came out in in support of him. Uh, interestingly, Mwepa came out on social media, I remember, I think it was a few days ago, and he posted saying it's not over until God says it's over. So whether that's a hint at him potentially coming back or if that's just obviously hopefulness. I, I, I'm smiling because I wish him all the best, but... Um... If in my opinion, I take the view of a doctor over Jesus, so um, I would I also be too say, helpful. Don't, don't risk your life, considering the amount of money you've already made. 
Agreed. There's all the things to do in football. Um, I mean, again, he might not be able to be a pro footballer. He's, he's, you know, he's still got some experience. I'm sure he could do his coaching badges. Uh, you tend to find when very sad stories like this happen, either the current clubs of Brighton or former clubs are very supportive. So they might take him as a an under-23 and assistant manager. So he's still got options and, and you, you, you're spot on. It's not worth risking your life for. Agreed. Um, I mean... Premier League. Uh... I'll be honest. I don't want to talk about Premier League. I'm sick of talking about Leeds losing every week. Um, who cares if anyone else is doing well? Football is shite. It is, and <laughs> I, I mean, for you. I'll say, I... same for you. I'm going to have to talk briefly. I don't want to get too sidetracked or brought into the the Liverpool uh, and Leeds sort of bias that we've got. But Liverpool Arsenal. Now, of course, I am a Liverpool fan. Of course, I was very biased, but. I watched that game and we never deserved to lose. I thought that, I mean, we were scored and we got very early on, ripped through, standard, Trent, not necessarily blameable, but certainly culpable. After that goal, there was only one team in it for the rest of the first half. We were all over them, completely dominated, even with this stupid formation that Jürgen's playing. We got the goal back and I thought we looked absolutely dominant and I thought, do you know what, this is it, this is the old Liverpool back. Appalling game management. Four minutes into five minutes in added time, we get a free kick just inside their half. And we decide to sling it in. Arsenal playing a real high line. Again, cut through us like a knife through butter. Trent, woeful defending. The best thing that happened because he got injured and that meant he had to go off. Um, again, then we managed to pull it back a little bit in terms of going back to, to, you know, equally we had the sucker punch of Diaz going off, who's been our best player all season, out for eight weeks. We st- you know, Firmino st- looked... More goals than Jesus, again, eclipsing him, giving all, all the Arsenal fans about what an amazing player Jesus is. Um, and then we scored again. Oh, they scored again, sorry. And we ended up losing. And I'm getting loads of stick, pelters from, from Arsenal fans. Ah, dominated you there. Fuck off. I didn't think we'd, again, I'd be interested and by all means people disagree with me, particularly neutral fans. Tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think, we deserved a draw out of that. We might not have been on the balance of play over both halves, the better team. Martinelli was the best player on the pitch, even though he's a diving so and so. But I don't think we deserve to lose that. I watched it as well. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. I thought that your play by play of the game there wasn't that far off. Arsenal just keep winning. And that's, we were saying, if you can keep winning, even though you're not necessarily on top, it's a sign of a very good team. Still don't think they're going to win the league. Um, I'm a bit worried for this weekend. Obviously, we play them. That's so it's Leeds, uh, Arsenal. They'll probably absolutely steam through us realistically, which is going to be very, very fun to watch and ruin my weekend, as per usual with Leeds at the moment. But, um, yeah, they're still not going to win the league. There's it's a decent team in patches. And it's a decent team in patches. But to say that, again, and, ah, uh, oh, we've done this, beating Spurs now, beating Liverpool... I, I thought that was a harsh result on Liverpool and I thought they got lucky. The game management, as you say, was the best. The only thing Jürgen did right all game was fucking take Trent off uh, for Gomez. Uh, for me, he got the formation wrong. We were completely outplayed in the first half. Why we're we playing four up front is fucking ridiculous. Basically, a 4-2-4 four, four, uh, against our away to Arsenal was crazy. We needed Fabinho in there uh, to try and make it a bit more solid. And I think, again, when Diaz went off, that was the perfect opportunity to then drop it back to the old 4-3-3, get a, a foothold in the game. But he sticks fucking Jotter on, I think, was it? Uh, or stuck another forward on. And you're just, what are you doing? 
Um, so yeah, I wasn't wasn't happy particularly with Jurgen or the result, but I thought it was harsh. It'd be very interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks with Arsenal. Um, their run at the moment, they, they should win on Sunday. They've got Leeds. They should win following week because they've got Southampton away. Then they've got Forest at home. So they don't necessarily play a big team. Obviously, they've got European games in between that. Don't necessarily play a big team, um, quote unquote, until the sixth of November, where they've got Chelsea away. So they should realistically be on a win streak of God knows how many games up until that that Chelsea game. Um, so still don't think they'll win the league. I still think that they'll fall short eventually, and they will fade off. But who knows? Stranger things have happened. Agreed. Um, I mean, the game weeks this week um, doesn't see many. Aside from they're probably going to again end up with a bit of a bias uh, here. Liverpool, Liverpool City has got to be the the, the big match uh, of the weekend. No other real games I would say particularly jump out as me as that's a that's a particularly big game. Um, the, well, there isn't. Got... Yeah, there isn't really. Um, it'd be interesting. One to keep your eye on is probably Manchester United and Newcastle because Newcastle seem to be very much on form at the moment, and Manchester are always hit and miss when it comes to that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if Newcastle can continue that run. And the sleeper for me in the game week, if you're looking for a game that might have a few more goals in it and could be a good watch, which might go under the radar, would probably be Leicester Palace lunchtime kickoff tomorrow. Leicester either score a few goals or concede a few. Palace playing uh, a more attractive brand of football it seems under Vieira that could be a few I, goals in it that I, I won't get to watch that I'll be volunteering somewhere else unfortunately um, I, yeah enough about that I know you really want to talk about how good you were in midweek so we'll we'll quickly sift through that um, yeah again I don't want to take, overtake this with Liverpool but I mean I'll be honest I would be, it was it was embarrassing on either side in that to get drubbed 7-1 like Rangers did was an embarrassment. It embarrassed Liverpool to end up with 7-1. Um, I'm not going to go... I've got a, a rant coming on me here and a second on a related topic, but quickly, it would be re, uh, remiss of me to not at least mention Mo. Bang out of form all game, uh, all season. Comes on, cha- quickest Champions League hat-trick ever. I mean, he didn't really have to do that much. Rangers were woeful in that second half and as you say I frankly watched it in terms of how has this turned from what was a close game in the first half when they looked up and at us especially for the first sort of 10-15 minutes into a complete and utter shambles and I think Rangers just blew themselves out to be perfectly honest they had so much intensity at the start they didn't have the fitness levels to carry that through and, and the quality showed. Would you say that many Rangers players would get into a combined eleven? Ah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been as frankly a combination of baffled, stroke, seething as with Alan Hutton, and I'm, I'm going to dig him out here. What the fuck are you talking about, Alan Hutton? So that if people haven't seen this, this is on the day before the game, and, and you showed me at the gym, ironically. Alan Hutton had produced a combined Liverpool and 11 Rangers that had six Rangers players in it. I'm not going to go through the whole team. I've got it in front of me. You can look it up. But that the highlights for me were Alan Hutton in... And fucking Alan McGregor in goal. I'm so angry. I can't even get the words out. Over Alisson. What? And then he concedes seven. Nice one, Alan. Uh, and two, he goes for a 4-4-2 with both up front... Morelles, who starts on the bench, and Kolak, who looked 
dog shit. The one player who was the best player by a mile and totally got his thunder stolen by Mo's hat-trick was Firmino on the game. Firmino was absolutely outstanding. Two goals and an assist. Pure quality. Ripped ranges apart time and time again. It does apparently even make the team, but what the fuck are you talking about? The rage, and that, that, I mean, he should be fired if he's a commentator. If he's on any associated media that puts up with this man it's like do you know less than an unborn baby about football get the fuck out you fire i'd fire him if he if i owned a football station and he worked for me and i saw that i'd fire him if you can't tell um ian is quite passionate about this raging still now (laughs) i've been telling him all week i like do wait till this comes up but I, I, i i i'm flabbergasted and i hope i'd be has anyone heard from alan hutton since has he gone off the radar He's very much like a Gabby of Onlahar and, and no one really listens to him and no one really lets himself get as angry <laughs> over his opinions these days. But As good a pundit as he was a fucking player. Keep your opinions to yourself, Alan. Shut the fuck up. Don't give us a combined 11 again. It is a good segue, though, to a combined Manchester City and Liverpool 11. So we're going based on very much this season. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to give mine first? Because I'd be interested to see yours and how biased it is. We just kind of dropped it on me, so I feel like this is something that, if I'm being totally honest, I I, I would need some time to think about and prepare. But yeah, I would. Do you want me to give you mine first, and then you can be like, ah, give, Liverpool players. Give me mine, but give me before you do. Give me the quick overview. How many City players of uh, compared to Liverpool? Uh, I have got off the top of my head. I'm thinking seven, four, something like seven City, four Liverpool. Yeah. Look at that. Seven City players. I purely just doing a few things in my head that probably sounds about where I'd be at. But go far away, please do please tell. So in the goal I've got Edison. No, I am I just wanted to say Alan McGregor. <laughs> Immediately fuming. A slow nod of the head there in acknowledgement. No, I've got Allison. Um Edison's kept more clean sheets this season, so it's five two Allison's two. Um in obviously Premier League only. Um, Allison's made more saves and probably played a bigger role for you this season than uh, Edison has. Edison's not really had to do much, has he? Realistically, um, I think that Allison has probably been one of your best performers this season. There isn't really that many others to compare him to that have been performing well, and I think he might have saved Liverpool from further embarrassment this season. To be honest, so he would be my keeper. Right back, um, I've got Trent. Obviously not. Again, I've got Kyle Walker. Um, currently out with a groin injury, so he's not going to be in, uh, into the team this season. Uh, well, this season he should be back, hopefully for the World Cup uh, this Sunday. Sorry. Uh, obviously, Gareth Southgate's favoured uh, right back over Trent, who has just struggled consistently. He's obviously a prolific creator, and he's been um, your number one right back for a number of years. But is he recorded an assist this season? I don't recall. Trent in the Premier League. Uh, not sure. I, mean, I think the only goal is the free kick against Rangers. Uh, no assists, though. No, I don't so, uh, think he, so. He offers nothing at the moment, Trent. He's he's obviously more of an attacking uh, fullback and isn't really offering anything going forward. So, got to be Kyle Walker. Centre back, I've got Ruben Diaz. Clearly, City's best centre half. Probably one of the best in the world. Um, obviously, arguably for the other one. Uh, joined from Benfica in. 2020, I think he worth about 65 million, and he's clearly been one of their best buys. The other centre back, bit controversial. I've gone Van Dijk. 
this season maybe I, I really can't tell and this is obviously something we'd spoken about before in one of the other podcasts but I can't tell whether he's been part of the problem or a victim to your troubles I can't I just cannot understand it and I, I can't catch on he's made a number of important tackles and interceptions but his passing seems suspect he seems to have gone missing for a number of goals I'd still put him in because he's still obviously a, a world class player Cancelo at left back I can't see any argument against that um, personally I, I Robertson's very good, but he uh, is a class above at this season. Uh, he's Cancelo, keep out of the attacking of Guardiola and creates chances from just about nothing. I think he's going to get in behind quite a lot on Sunday, personally. Um, defensive midfielders, I've gone for two. So, uh, two in there. Thiago is one of them. He, I think he's pretty much a must-have, uh, again, in any of these combined 11s. He is ridiculously calm under pressure. His range of passing is unbelievable. He's 31, but He's an asset in the middle of the park and he's one of your best players this season again. So I'll put him against um, Gundogan and I think that there's just no real comparison this season. Uh, Rodri's the other centre defensive midfielder. Obviously, best centre defensive midfielder in the world. Um, 70 million euro player. Obviously, since buying him in 2019, uh, I think it was a record transfer at the time. Is it still a record transfer for City? Anyway, either way, he is a class above. He's clearly the best centre defensive midfielder in the world um, I've got Salah at right wing again he's five Premier League appearances without a goal he's only got two this season quickest hat-trick in Champions League history this week um, so we've got a point in and class eventually shines Kevin De Bruyne centre attacking mid obviously Kevin De Bruyne you're not taking him out uh, he's only failed to influence the scoring of City in two fixtures this season so he's got nine assists and a goal in nine appearances I've got Foden Left wing. That, that that look suggests that you're not going to agree, but you're facing him definitely at the wrong time. He's in a ridiculous vein of form. He's got five goals and an assist during the last three, and obviously scored hat trick against uh, Man United in the last outlet. And then striker, you don't need me to tell you, it's obviously Haaland. 15 goals, nine appearances. Uh, he's got <laughs> three hat tricks this season, um, and obviously he's got two assists in the last game um, against uh, Man United. Um, and then he got a goal, uh, another assist. Sorry, against Bournemouth. Um, I don't th- did he? He didn't score, did he? Against Southampton? Or did he score? I don't think he did. Did he? No, he didn't. He got. Yeah, no. So at least Southampton, uh, Southampton can take that and say, well, at least we didn't concede to Haaland and we were only four goals. But yeah, there's my eleven. Any. Foden you clearly disagree with but anyone else so for me um, given you just dropped this on me I've just done a few little notes while we're talking I've gone if I had to I would only because I favour this this is a personal choice I've gone 4-3-3 okay Um, greedy keeper I'd put Alisson in debatable either way let's be fair it's a bit of a coin toss either way both give you distribution both have excellent shot stopping Alisson just has a bigger influence on the team for me so I'd go probably a little bit of bias but that's a toy cost for me easy Can't disagree with your your, uh, your, your, your defence at all. Only one for me, if you, again, what's the qualification to get in the team? Are we talking current form? Are we talking on their best day? Only one you could flip for me, maybe, would be you could put Kinsella at right back and put Robbo in at left back. Probably splitting hairs. Not Mendy. I, I thought he might be in your team. but um, So I would agree with your back, back four. Can't agree with that. 
disagree. So I'll go with that. On, on paper, I've written down exactly the same back four. What, did you say you thought I'd put Mendy in my team? I thought you might. Um, I got <laughs> he's busy gone, doing other things. I then got uh, so I, I'm going for four three three. So my th- three midfield defensive mid Rodri. As much as I love Fab, Rodri's best in the world. Just don't, don't disagree with you. KDB, you'd be a crazy bastard to not mention him. The only thing I did put on there, this one is again a bit of a coin toss. I like Thiago. I think he influences the game on his day better than any midfielder. He's fantastic, but you could argue Bernardo Silva there. That's a close one for me, them two. And I think Silva probably gives you more output and is more underestimated than he should be in that team. Up front for me, then the front three, I've got Salah right wing, agree with you. I've gone Diaz left wing because I think maybe that's the Liverpool bias. Hasn't got the numbers of Foden, but on his magic on his day. And I think they're no dispute at all with uh, the Terminator up front. So we're in... One player, either way, really. is, is So we're not a million miles apart. I'm going to say, if you'd have turned round and said that you would put Nunes, I think I'd have just stopped this podcast and I think we'd have just ended the podcast in, in general. I might get pretty angry about some things. I might have some slightly controversial opinions that would be as stupid as Alan. That would maybe be more stupid. Or at least, no, not. I don't think you can get more stupid than Alan Hutton. It would be on a par with Alan Hutton if I put Nunes in there. In, so. Yeah, there's clearly only one choice there. Um a few other funner things for you. So let's hope this this could de-stress you before we get onto the boxing portion. So I finished last night, um, I don't know if you've been watching this, the Welcome to Wrexham docuseries. Quite interesting, to be honest. So yeah. definitely worth watching. It's on Disney Plus, weirdly. I think it's something to do with, um, they've got a, a deal with FX, have uh, the makers of it. So it's, is it Fox technically over in America is FX now? Is it much about football, or is it just yeah. about the two guys that own it, uh, Ryan Reynolds and the chap from Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, I'm going to say it. Can't pronounce his name, but Rob something, can it? McKelney, something like McKelney. Funny guy in, in Always Sunny, but yeah, I watch enough football that I feel like the times that I'm not watching actual football, I've got no. I'll be honest, I've got no real interest in watching that. The good, I mean, to be fair, there's a few. So there's a Till I Die or Sunderland Till I Die, which is. Absolutely class. That's really good. Obviously, the Leeds one, I think it's all right to watch for Leeds fans, whether other people would like it, I don't know. And then you've got the, the others on Amazon Prime. Um, so there's a few. I watched like... one episode of the Arsenal one. No, <sighs> were like, all right. Nah, it's not for me. The City Too one much. were all right, and the Spurs one were quite funny because of Mourinho, basically. But a summary of it. So Ryan Reynolds and the guy from Always Sunny um, paid 2.5 bill, oh, million. Jesus, that would have been... Fa- yeah. <laughs> Pants pulled down if it was 2.5 billion. Jesus, 2.5 million dollars. Um, do you know that Wrexham is the th- world's third oldest football club? I did not know. That. I did not. Notts County number one. Is the I oldest, believe I think. so. He's one at Sheffield clubs up there. I always seem to remember Notts County because that's why Juve have their kit in the same way, black oh, and white, mirroring Notts uh, County. Um, but yeah, so American investment in English football isn't new. Obviously, the majority of Premier League clubs these days have American owners we do Chelsea do you do Man U Arsenal etc etc um, looks like it's all to do with the fact that they're increasing their media rights and it's less pricey than to buy a NFL or NBA team to be honest these days um, but the, the documentary goes into the reasons essentially why they bought Wrexham so bought them on Zoom Funnily enough, in 2020, uh, it was fan-owned at the time. So they basically said, uh, we'll invest 
$2.5 million into the club's players and facilities. We'll sign a 25-year stadium lease so that you know that we're not going to move the team or do anything untoward. Um, and then the main player is that they started this docuseries on, uh, it's essentially like a Netflix style. As I say, it's on Disney Plus in um, England. I'm not sure if it's, I assume it works the same for Scotland, etc. Um, so re- welcome to Wrexham. First series were a massive success, so obviously both on and off the pitch. They did very well last season. I think they got to the final of um, the playoffs. Um, obviously, unfortunately, fell down to Grimsby, and then Grimsby were promoted. They're doing very well this season. They're currently second. Um, it's got a 97% audience score, which obviously is always the the main reason to watch these these fantastic critics and reviews. It's got a season two coming up. Um, interestingly, and I know you always like your statistics on it, comes like this. So $400,000 per hour of content is going to the club. So it's an eight-part series, which means that they've earned $3.2 million in revenue. So massive. They've obviously already got back double what they've uh, invested uh, or nearly double what they've invested. Um, Twitter followers went up 364%. So from 45,000 to 209,000. Instagram followers went up from 27,000 to 208,000. So 670%. And then the TikTok, which is obviously your favorite social media outlet, went up from zero to 459,000, which is unbelievable. And obviously, this all goes into tangible revenue for the club. Um, they've signed kit sponsorship deals, so TikTok, Expedia, Vistaprint, um, and then Aviation American Gin, which I think is, is Ryan Reynolds' brand anyway. Um, season tickets have tripled in two years. So they've gone from 2,609 to 6,820. Um, and essentially, the, the best thing of all this is their reach has become global. They are currently... Um, Oh, so on Saturday, I play in Blythe Spartans. Uh, so it's an FA Cup qualifier. It's on ESPN, which is unbelievable for a club like Wrexham. So it's always stuff like this that gets me very, very interested. Um, I would recommend watching it. You've sat there silent, smiling. Um, it's going to be available at this game on Sunday, on Saturday, sorry, in over a hundred million households globally. So Wrexham becoming global. Um, I just thought it were interesting because the, the last episode I had yesterday, definitely something to watch. A few things I'd just pull out of what <laughs> the stats you just got. Available in 100 million households doesn't mean watched by them. It would be the first thing if I'm, if I'm... And the fact that the majority of your stats were based on social media followers is a sad indictment of how the football metrics that we measure football, in my opinion, by these days... I couldn't give a fuck how many followers we have. I want tangible benefits, i.e. promotions, points. Now, you did say season tickets, so there's had a reflection there. There is sponsorship, so I do see how sadly these days social media influences those things, but they are not the metrics I would judge success by personally. But I can see how they would influence and contribute to continued success for a smaller team. So, fair play to them. It's, as you say, that, that the, the the fact they got to the, the final in the first year is the is the main thing. The fact they seem to be tearing it up in their league at the moment. But I think again, back to this, what we kind of touched on last week: football fans being fickle. If you said to them. Can you be on ESPN and have a million followers, or will you get promoted? I'm pretty sure I know what yeah, most it comes with the football territory. players would say. I, I get the feeling, Ian, that you're not going to be watching this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard sell, the way that you've pitched it to me. But I, It's I, good. It is good. It's, it's 
a bit more because of obviously the fact that they're movie stars and, and TV uh, stars. The production value is much higher than these other documentaries, so definitely worth watching. Obviously, as I said, it's on Disney Plus. Back to other news, which isn't necessarily um, lower league clubs and something that are going to bore you. Mentioned before we came on about the Saturday 3pm live football TV blackout being scrapped. Have you read anything to do with this? I had not, which is strange so far. Um... So, God, I just nearly choked on my own breath then. It's obviously the the facts that I'm spouting are are so amazing that I can't get them out anymore. Um, EFL are considering scrapping the 3pm blackout rule, which obviously they've had since the 60s. Um, Blackout meaning that there's no live games in the UK for... Sorry, when you said blackout because of what's going on at the moment. I thought there was going to be... Exactly, (laughs) it's some kind of electricity cut or something, but um, I see what you mean. Yeah, Um, so from 2024 to 25, uh, they're considering completely scrapping it. So essentially, at the moment, um, that blackout, which has been in place since the 60s, stops any football in the EFL being shown between 2.45pm and 5.15. The main reason for that is to protect attendances in the football pyramid. Because if it's a lower league club, realistically, are you going to want to go and sit in the stands in the freezing cold if you could just watch it on TV? And that's the interesting part of this because this obviously has come under scrutiny uh, in recent years because people want to sit at home, people want to watch this because it's easier for them, um, they want to consume the football online, Obviously, sometimes that's done illegally because there's no other way to do it. So they're sending out an invitation to tender this week um, to media outlets such as Google, Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, Apple, and then Sky Sports and BT. The most interesting thing about this, and I'll I'll come back to what you think about, obviously, the the attendances is the main thing. But the most interesting thing is the bigger clubs in the Premier League are apparently keeping a a close eye on this because especially the American owners... They feel that they should be paid more for the media rights, which they already get paid a ridiculous amount as it is. But if this goes ahead and if it works for them, they're going to want to push quite heavily on this. So you might see a a media blackout disappear for um, Premier League games as well. Uh, Can I be my usual cynical self? Um, It feels a little bit like they're late to the party on this. I think that the the spot on point that you nailed uh, there is, are they just doing this because actually... They're not making any money at the moment because of the uh, uptick in illegal streams available so that people, even though there is a blackout in this country, from what I understand, you know, you can get these dodgy boxes where you uh, can get these games and and, and across all different, um, because the blackout is in the UK, isn't it? So if you've got access to, for example, American TV, they may have it on. So I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that it's reviewed. The cynical nature of me says they've realised they're missing out on a chunk of money because this is already available if people are going down the illegal pirate route um, and they're trying to cash in on it, which, as you say, very cynical, very me, uh, but interesting. And and How negatively do you think this is going to impact attendances? This is the main thing that people are worried about. No more than now, because, as I say, I think if you... Not being funny, um, what kind of... Even if you've got some kind of dodgy box, if this is the football league we're talking about, Premier League, Premier League, I could see there being an impact. The lower leagues, I mean, what kind of dodgy box do you have to get a stream to get West Brom away at the moment? Which is exactly the point that I would make on the inverse, what you've said there, because I think it's less likely to affect the Premier League because you, you 
these streams that you can access online are far more accessible for Premier League games because it's shown worldwide, it's shown in China, um, you know, America. So if you wanted to sit at home and watch it, you could do, but people, fools like me, still choose to go to the game and watch it. EFL games, lower league, as you've said, the streams are few and far between. I think this is going to have a significant impact, definitely on um, sort of League One, League Two teams and Championship teams. I think the the real lower league teams, if we talk in sort of, and again, I suppose it's not really the EFL if we're talking the Vanarama um, conference and things like that. But if it was them, I don't think it's going to impact people because you're off to see your local team. I think there's a, a very sweet middle spot where people are going to think, well. Huddersfield at the moment are not doing too well if you wanted to go watch that game you could do their attendances are dwindling because they're not doing well is this being on TV going to impact them negatively yes in my opinion because I'm not going to want to go and spend my money to watch my team get beat every week I could watch it at home turn it off as soon as I'm done with it yeah yeah I mean it's it's, it's an interesting point Um, I suppose if I look at it again in, in my worldview how I would do that I would be more inclined if I were the clubs to see if they could take control of that themselves and offer some kind of off the top online season ticket so that the clubs charge you 56 again pricing I don't know call it 100 quid and you get all of the away live streams via huddersfieldtown.com or something like that so I don't know if that again obviously the rights are owned by the football league not the clubs themselves but they must get some input but if they were able to take control of it themselves. And I think then would people begrudge paying a sum like that that actually went to their own team? So they get to sit and watch it at home, but they're still contributing to the the, the turnover of the team. That would seem to be a sweet middle ground for me that I could see fans being like, yeah, then I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, because they're still contributing to the, the, the running of the club and, and, and particularly for the lower cl- uh, league clubs that need that revenue then the supporters are helping. But I mean, I, I, there is something about watching football live. And I think, again, you'll know this far better than me as a season ticket holder. Even if you were able to access Leeds every game on TV, I still suspect that you might go. And I yeah, think, for, it, you know, there's there's something that you, you can't... It's an experience, a football match. You get... I always have a bovril. I know you give me shit. If I, if I go to football, I have a bovril, I have a pie at half-time. There's, it, it, there's an experience that goes with it. Sitting in your fucking pyjamas at home with your feet up is not the same. Agreed. Um, as we say, if I wanted to access these streams online, then there's definitely ways to do so to watch Leeds as they're in the Premier League at the moment. I would still go to the stadium. Um, it's something me and my girlfriend have done for years now, so it's just sort of a, a habit. Um, obviously, when it works and it's, it's fun to watch them, it's fun. When it doesn't, and it hasn't been this season thus far, and I suspect it's going to be the same on Sunday, then it's not as fun. But it still it comes with the territory. So, flipping as you like to usually ask the questions, taking your job interview role, would, would you? It wouldn't affect you at the moment that you would continue to as a Premier League. Let's say the worst happened in Leeds, you know, God forbid, slid down a couple of leagues. They're suddenly in League One. Would that impact you if you had the ability to to watch that at home? Would that make you less? You know, you're away to Swindon. You know, something like that. Would that make you think? Fuck it, I'm not going to watch the, oh, home to Swindon. Would you still have your, your season ticket then, or not? I'd like to say I would. Um, we've obviously supported them for a number of years. Well, I've supported them all my life, um, but we've been going to these games for a number of years when we were in the Championship, and it, it's not been a, a significant change with them going up. Obviously, it's more beneficial to watch it. Price is slowly going up as well, which is the downside on that. But yeah, I, I would suspect that we would still go. Obviously, I would hope that the price would decrease if I'm watching 
League One football, but um, yeah, I think it'd still be something that we would go to. Um, last thing on football, again, a little bit more of a fun one for you, just because you're clearly in a very happy mood, and I want to keep it's the, fucking Alan Hutton's fault. <laughs> so uh, this week, Newcastle um, have announced that they're exploring naming rights for St James's Park. Obviously, most recently they were called Sports Direct Arena. Don't think that went down too well. Um, good old Mike Ashley. Um, what I did see is following on this, obviously they haven't been come to any deals at all at the moment, but there are a number of big stadiums and big teams that are also in these types of uh, deals at the moment and negotiating. So you've got Tottenham are in talks with Google, which is a strange one. Um, so they're searching for a deal which is hopefully worth to Tottenham around $250 million, which is ridiculous. Um, you've got other big companies like Crypto.com have purchased the naming rights for Los Angeles Stadium, which we used to be known as the Staple Center. Um, I went on a bit of a spree because I'm bored and I don't have a very fun life, clearly. Um, not a very fulfilling life. And I was looking at some of the best named stadiums in the world. So following on, obviously, you've got Spotify sponsoring uh, Camp Nou, which is hilarious. Um, Wankdorf Stadium. You know who plays there? Sounds German. Well, it's not, and it's even more suspect when I tell you that it's young boys that play there. <laughs> so the young boys play at Wankdorf Stadium. Um, Colorado, uh, Colorado Rapids in MLS play at the DSG Park, which stands for Dick's Sporting Goods, which I can't imagine ever be going to a stadium called Dick. And uh, the funniest one that I found was York City renamed Booth and Crescent in uh, 2005 to 2010, so it's back to Booth and Crescent at the moment, but they renamed it Kit Kat Crescent, which I did quite like. Uh, again, sadly, it's a, it's, a, it's a reflection on the state of affairs in football that the commercial side of it is now overtaking it. I always like it when, when you've got a, a local sponsor or someone at least tied to the area. Maybe I'm being a bit over the top here because if you're going to get 250 million dollars or whatever you said but google google it feels like you're selling your soul a little bit i think but equally if you suddenly said there's i'd always push back on anfield i think just because of the nature and the 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 history and heritage that maybe goes with the ground but equally if they suddenly said well there's 200 mil you can now afford harlan's potential release clause or mbappe then that might change my mind. So, um, but those really big like Apple. I'm surprised. Uh, do Apple sponsor one? Not as far as I'm aware, but I would expect that. Someone like Facebook as well. You get the Meta Stadium, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean they'll. I mean if, they, if you're talking ones like that, they're gonna go for like Old Trafford, aren't they? Like or the San Siro. That you know the 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 really super famous grounds. You would suspect. Um, but yeah, there's just something about when you get to that. You know those. Trillion dollar companies, Amazon, Meta, etc. It feels a bit like you're selling yourself, but I'm a, I mean, I'm a traditionist. Do, I get it, and I agree. I wouldn't really like the idea of Ellen Road to be called like the Love Honey Stadium or something like that. But um, do people really care? Is, is the question I've Sports Direct Arena. Did anyone call it the Sports Direct Arena? It was always St James's Park to me. I was just about to say exactly that point, which is to football fans, no matter what the fuck you call it or budget, you know, the love, honey, Anf- it's Anfield. So that sticks. And again, in some ways, 
I'd say that the the example it would it would, it would remind me of some ways that these names come and go. Look at now the League Cup. Now I don't even know what that's called anymore. I was a kid. It was yeah the Milk Cup. It's still the Coca Carabao Cup. Sorry, but Coca Cola Cup. It was for a long period when I was. What it's the League Cup. They give it all these names. No one refers to it in those. It's the League Cup, and I, I can't help but feel even if these sponsors come and go five years, ten years, and they they change the name. The historic name stays. Ellen Road will always be Ellen Road. Anfield yeah. would always be Anfield. You've got the Emirates FA Cup as well now, haven't you? I think that was uh, the recent sponsorship of it. But enough about football. Oh, uh, oh, and... I've got a couple of bits oh, of a quick one before oh, we move on. Only because just on the Champions League point, and I've got so first one I saw was Mignolet. Given that I've torn him before, what a garbage goal he was for, for Liverpool. Uh, I said to you, he set a Champions League record of 14 saves against a single opponent, so without conceding a goal. So, obviously, Club Bruges, uh, one of the surprise packages of the season, kept two clean sheets in a row against Atletico Madrid, uh, which is no mean feat. Uh, I saw that. Uh, quick mention to, uh, we've tried to pronounce his name, the young Georgian lad uh, who seems to be tearing it up at Napoli. I had to just mention it because I, I thought it was so good that I'd text you his nickname. He is now being called Cravadonna by the Napoli fans. Uh, currently seven goals and seven assists and looks a real jewel in Napoli's crown. Napoli are flying, will likely win uh, Serie A this season if they carry on going. Uh, they've also got the, the young Italian lad Raspadoni, who looks pretty good. Uh, I, I thought I'd just like to throw in uh, a couple of mentions of them. I'm just and- looking just on that that tweet. That, so I posted a tweet out because this is someone that Leeds were interested in. Um, 2019, oh no, sorry, 2021. Um, and felt as though the price tag of £20 million was too high. And then obviously a year later, he's got 12 appearances, six goals, six assists in the Champions League. It's top of Serie A, um, top of Champions League group. It's just a ridiculous signing for Napoli. Ironically, I think they only paid €10 million Euros for him as well. They, did, so they yeah. paid half what Leeds wouldn't pay. Uh, and, I mean, again, the crazy prices that you pay for people. I think he's 21. Uh, ironically, can you remember, you may be a little bit young for this, can you remember George's last talent that may have been on the world stage? I mean, I might be stretching it here. I'm Played definitely, for City. Not, definitely not Googling this at the moment at all. Uh, Georgie Kunkladze. No. Don't remember him? Little no. George. No? Played for Man City and amongst a few other, probably 20 years ago. But decent player uh, from Georgia. The only other Georgian real international that I could probably name. And, you know, my um, knowledge is pretty deep. But, yeah, he's a decent player, Kunkladze. He's nearly 50 years old. When were he playing? All right, maybe it's 25 years ago. It's a bit of a Man Jesus City legend. Christ. It's a Man City legend, Georgie Conclancy. A Man City legend that will play in 1995 to 1998. I was one years old. <laughs> I, was to well, I did say, that. could you remember him? But he, he, he played for, I'm sure he played, Jesus they played for, if you've got him up there, he played for a few other English teams. Um, uh, Derby. That's right. Played that, that, a few that, seasons that, that, at Derby. Yeah, he played, the only other English club he played for were Derby. He played for Ruben Kazan, Ajax for 12 games. Uh, Boca Juniors in 1994 on loan, and then other teams that I can't pronounce. It's not a bad resume, that is it? Boca Juniors and Ajax in there, but yeah, Georgian Kladze strung to mind when I saw that Cravadonna was was Georgian. Uh, the only other one uh, that I've got on here was we talked about it before, uh, Griezmann. So yeah. he had uh, this week signed permanently for Atletico. 
uh, half of his uh, alleged release clause that they were going to have to play if they carried on playing him for all the minutes. And I also can't help but feel there seems to be a uh, a point in that or a relevance that Barca are almost now look very likely to get knocked out of the Champions League for the second year at the group stage and spend all this money in the summer, all of this money on wages that they continue to do uh, in a bit of a financial state. And then they've lost... Apparently, I had heard that they had budgeted to get to at least the quarterfinals. And if they don't do that, that's a 25 million euro hole in their budget. And they've just kind of sold Griezmann for 20. I'm sure they'll activate another 15 levers to try and claw all this money back. I'm just looking here, just on the... Um, obviously, we're talking about the, the Georgia player. Um, do you remember a player called uh, Pele? He's, uh, he's not that... Not that old, uh, obviously playing in 1956. You remember that when you were younger? No, I don't. I'm, I, no. I might be getting on a bit, but I wasn't that old. But no. I thought, uh, Georgie Conclancy, everyone's heard of Georgie Conclancy, surely? Evidently not. Evidently uh, not. Your knowledge seems to go relatively far back, so that surprises me. But um, right, I, I'm done with football. Do you, not, do you not remember this footballer when you were one years old? Surprisingly not. Uh, yeah, let's not talk about football anymore because it's shit and... I hate watching Leeds lose consistently and that seems to be all it is at the moment. Um, boxing. So we're back to a point where we seem to be getting some main fights back, some main fights organised. Um, we'll start with this just because I want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Fury Chisora 3 looks like it's going to happen. fight that no one wants to see at all. The worst thing about this, so it looks like it's going to be scheduled for December the 3rd. Nothing um, confirmed yet. Frank Warren came out and said, Derek might give him more of a fight than AJ. I just think he is more vulnerable. What a fucking clown. Like, no one is buying this fight. No one is selling, like, getting this sold to them that this is a, a worthwhile fight. I'm, I'm kind of lost for words. We talked about it when it broke. Who the fuck wants to see that? I mean, a mismatch. Good luck trying to sell that, like you say. who? Any Anyone who's uh, even seen a boxing fight knows, I mean, fuck how oh, it's Trezora now. 40s? Late 30s, yeah. He's looking for a final payday, isn't he? Of course. And again, from his point of view, he gets beaten up, which he does in every fight. He's durable, to give him credit, and he's going to probably make a fair bit of money. But Tyson, come on, you can do better than that. You retired, allegedly. The for the only, fifth time. The only two fights for me that, again, if he's out... He says he doesn't need the money, which feels like a complete lie if he's taking these type of dog shit fights, is... AJ just because it's that all British clash. I don't think the, the, the clamour is reduced given, you know, AJ's uh, lost the last couple. I don't know if anyone really wants to see that. Or uh, Fury Usyk. Apart from that, I'm not interested. I love Fury. I've said about it before. Big fan of his. No interest in that fight whatsoever. It's interesting you should say that because it looks like AJ is set to fight Otto Wallen. Oh, obviously he's had a fight with Fury before. Not highly rated. Give him a bit of a cut. Yeah, give him a bit of a cut. Um, bit of a tricky fight for him at the time. So that looks like it's in talks to happen. Um, it doesn't seem to be like we're leading towards AJ Fear anymore. It looks like we're back on the track for AJ Wilder. So Wilder's come out this week and said, me versus Anthony Joshua is still the biggest fight in the world. It's even bigger than Tyson Fury versus Usyk. I would disagree because that one is obviously for the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, which you can't get a bigger fight than that. Um, but Wilder does still have, despite what's happened with Fury, he does still have that weird 
pure star quality that not many modern fighters have because of his ridiculous knockout power. So he's got that, obviously, cannon right hand. Um, he is back this weekend after a long um, hiatus, should we say, um, sabbatical, I don't know. But he obviously comes into this fight this weekend against Robert Hellenius. Um, he Hellenius has a, a record of 31-3. and three. He's got 20 knockouts on his record. Um, and he is the, the big comeback for, for this um, big fight of the weekend against Brons Bonner. If you recognise him, and when I mentioned his name earlier, you did say that you recalled him. Um, it's not AJ that he fought, because I know that you said that you thought it was a big name. It's not Fury. It is someone that Tyson Fury has had a fight with quite recently. Most recently, in fact. Wilder. Well, he's fighting Wilder. But, it's uh... not Wilder. Who did he fight last? Before Wilder. Fury's last fight. Usyk. No. Your boxing knowledge is, is dead. Usyk? You put me on the, on Have the I spot missed now. It? I said, <laughs> it's it, not nice, is it? Um, it's Dillian White. Ah, so, okay. uh, he had a fight against Dillian White. back. This is back in 2017 for the WBC Silver Heavyweight fi- uh, title. It was an absolute snooze fest. Um, Hellenius wobbled him in the second, but then was beaten by uh, unanimous decision. It, it wasn't even close. It was pretty poor. So this is something that essentially you would expect Wilder to, to roll through him um, and become the comeback tro- uh, get the, the comeback tour back on. And I think he's going to lead up to this this AJ fight. Um, still interesting seeing AJ Wilder? Nah, not really. Um, I mean, this fight against Lanus is it's a gimme, isn't it? He's obviously got schooled by Fury in the last couple of fights. Feels like a gimme to get him a win, to probably get a hellacious knockout and, and spark him out to then build the AJ fight. Um, I, I I like watching knockouts at the end of the day. That's ultimately as much as I like the sweet science of boxing. I like to get see people get sparked out. That's what I watch boxing for, the same as I watch UFC. I, I, I want to see knockouts. But for me, Wilder went down hugely in my estimations over the last couple of fights. In particular, oh, why did you lose? Because my outfit was too heavy. Might be the second worst excuse to lose a boxing match I've ever heard after David's hey, big toe. Is it big toe or little toe when he lost uh, he, the first fight against Bellew, I think? He broke his ankle in that first fight, to be fair. The, the big toe was, um, he pulled out of the Fury fight because he broke his big toe, apparently. Um, but... Yeah, I lost a lot of respect from then. Like, just come out and say someone's got my number. Uh, that felt like he was just talking bullshit, really. But um, I'm sure that's a fight to build the AJ Wilder fight. Am I? I mean, that one I'd watch. That's more watchable to me, to be fair, than Fury Chisora. Agree. Yeah, easily. There's a lot more watchable fights. I'd rather watch me fight you than watch Fury Chisora, and that's a very one-sided fight. I think a lot of our viewers, our listeners, would like to probably uh, watch that fight, but. Um, yeah, I, that Fury Usyk, undisputed. Why are we messing around? That's what. Who doesn't want to be the? I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know why this would seem to me, particularly fighting someone like Chisora. I know I, I respect Usyk a lot, and he's not one that jumps in this kind of circus, social media bullshit that a lot of people do these days. If you were Usyk, it's lined up perfectly to be saying, "Are you dodging me? Why are you fighting this bum instead of waiting a couple of months to fight me for the undisputed?" So. Um, I respect Usyk. He's he's old school to me like that, but it also feels like he could bait Fury a little bit here, and particularly as Fury's known to be 
very vocal on social media and baiting other people now, I feel like Usyk's missing a chance to wind him up, build the fight, and almost get him to say, well, you've got to fight me next after you're fighting this bum because you're just taking money to fight someone for the third time that no one cares about. The only defence I would have on Fury on that point, and again, I would never defend Fury because I, I just I strongly dislike him, never liked him. Um, respect him, but never liked him as a, a boxer. Um, he can't fight Usyk because Usyk uh, uh, the 3rd of December because Usyk has publicly turned around and said I'm not fighting anyone this year I want time to recoup um, and then come back into it so I expect we'll probably see um, Usyk versus Ruiz Jr. is the, one of the ones that's been teed up after Ruiz Jr. has his next fight um, again it's, it's one of these where it's it's a medium sized fight it's not going to be a blockbuster it's, it's yeah but on that note and on a very good point that you made and this is what heavyweight boxing has become these days, unfortunately. A lot of people fight in these stupid fights just for the money. Um, I just wanted to mention Paul Butler. So Paul Butler is a current champion in the bantamweight division. Um, he has been scheduled to fight um, Naoya uh, Inoue, nicknamed the Monster. Inoue is no joke. Exactly. Uh, so this is the undisputed bantamweight world champion uh, championship on December 13th in Tokyo. Um, he's currently holding the WBO belt is Butler uh, he got a unanimous decision triumph back over Sultan Jonas Sultan in April 2022 uh, of this year and he's going into a fight against arguably the best bantamweight in the world um, I think that this is going to be one of these that he'll be essentially get turned over for but what I wanted to mention is that Butler has essentially turned around since regaining that world title saying I don't want any of these other fights I want to fight for the undisputed title. Uh, I don't want voluntary defence against a bin man or you know any of this. I want to fight the best bantamweight in the world and I want to fight him in his backyard. He's probably going to get knocked out because the monster is a ridiculous boxer. But, you know, this is, this is boxing. Anything can happen. It might be a big sh- uh, shock and it's got to obviously be a, a knockout either way, I think. Um but I just see this going one way in front of his home crowd, unfortunately, for the monster. I love Inoue. He's, he's, he's one for the more, um, less known, sadly, in boxing. Um, you know, lower weight classes don't get, garner as much attention or fame as your heavyweights. Easily top three pound for pound in the world. And I'll tell you who he reminds me of, he's going back probably 10, 15 years, is Manny Pacquiao. He has the power to easily move up weights to make, become more known. I mean, Pacquiao, I think, was eight eight division world title holder. Started off a lot lower, and as as he chased the fame and the money that comes, you know, realistically, in my own opinion, you have to be fighting around about welterweight, 147, 140, just below, uh, before you can start to get the bigger names. So Inoue could easily breeze up through those and carry that power, but an absolutely outstanding boxer, that'll be a fight. You might see him do that if he does win the undisputed title. It might be the logical next step to move up, become mandatory challenger, and then do a little bit like Usyk's done um, and try and take the next division by storm. But yeah, just thought it was worthwhile mentioning it, just because we we get all this shit with Fury and we get it with other boxers. It's not just Fury to be fair in the heavyweight division; it's the heavyweight division in general. And you get all these nonsense fights. People just want to see the best versus the best, and I think it's commendable for for Butler to do that. Refreshing and. That's a warrior. That's that's what I expect in a world he- uh, well, not heavy but a world champion. Don't give me that shit. I want to be the best to 
to be the best, I've got to beat the best. That's 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 boxing. That's a fucking worry. To hat off to him. Correct. It's taken us well over an hour to get to it, but uh, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, finally, after being reorganised because of the um, the Queen's passing, uh, undisputed middle heavyweight. Uh, middle heavyweight. Undisputed. I'm doing what you've done now. Undisputed middleweight world championship on Saturday, so tomorrow. Um, Marshall's got a knockout ratio of over 80%, comes in with a reputation of the puncher of the two. Shields only has two stoppage wins on a record. She's unbeaten in 12 pro bouts. Um, she's got, obviously, a, a far greater number of accolades. Calls herself the GWOT, which grates me every single time. So the greatest woman of all time, she calls herself. Um, Marshall has the WBO championship, and uh, Shields has the rest, essentially. So this is one of these where... It's the first time in a while that I've seen the bookies be completely 50-50 and this is essentially where the bookies always win unless you get the um, the actual decision correct or the method of decision. Um, this is the biggest of the biggest, I think, for women's boxing in general. Uh, All-female cast on the undercard. This is one of these where UK female boxing could probably elevate it, be elevated if it is a good card and it has every right to be as it stands I think Shields if she's allowed to box is probably going to win this fight quite comfortably if Marshall catches her with that one knockout it's going to be 99 for her um, this and, and again this is me going into far too much research um, I were looking at a Mike Tyson undercard from 1996 so American Christy Martin on it so absolutely huge women's boxing because obviously no one had ever had a platform like that before can you imagine fighting on a Mike Tyson undercard you feel like you've, you've made it um, obviously earlier this year you had Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano I think it was sold out uh, Madison Square Garden so historic for women's boxing in that sense and now we're back to this which as I say I think this is one of these that you will <coughs> elevate to a different level in terms of women's boxing um, it's going to leave a legacy potentially this Saturday depending on again how it goes um, but I, I genuinely feel that this is one of these that people might end up talking about for years to come depending on not only the outcome but obviously if both women bring their A game into it it's got to be the biggest women's fight of all time um, undoubtedly uh, in, again in my own uh, opinion um very con- contrasting styles that as you say Taylor is more of a knockout artist and likes to scrap likes to drag Marshall. people Marshall sorry uh, likes to drag pe- drag women into deep waters uh, and you know leave them exposed and then hit them with the counters and spark them out uh, Clarissa Shields is a far more technical boxer and a, a clinician and as you say doesn't have anywhere near the, the stoppage record doesn't have quite the pro record either but she had a, a stellar amateur career uh, and I think it's one where, again, just as we seem to to do on these bigger, but we 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 both favour other fighters. So I'm of the view Shields will win, and probably by decision, as always. I think you think um, she's going to get knocked out. Agreed. I think that this becomes a humbling. And to be honest, I think this is one of these where a little bit like why I've always wanted Fury to lose, and even more so why I've always wanted when fucking Floyd Mayweather to lose which unfortunately never did and obviously never will Um, but this is one of these where it would probably damage her ego far more than it would damage her reputation you can't come into fight saying you're the greatest one of all time if you've been beaten and you can't rectify that loss 
Um, I genuinely do believe that she thinks that she's the greatest woman boxer of all time. So this is going to be one of these where if that goes the way that I think it's going to be, if she does get humbled, I'd be very interested to see how she approaches the rest of her career. I don't think for one second, and again, just to make this clear, that it'll affect her boxing career or her boxing reputation because ultimately she is very, very good and she's better than the majority of the others. But if she gets knocked out, that's not a simple loss by decision or you know one of these that sets up a, another um, rematch. If she gets sparked out by Marshall, considering the bad blood that's between them, and I genuinely do think that they, they do really dislike each other, it's not one of these manufactured rivalries, I think it's going to be a very long way back for her. Agreed, but I think the Floyd is a superb analogy in that Shields is the Mayweather of the female uh, boxing world. She is super technical, highly defensive, very rarely gets hit. Obviously, Floyd likes to say he's the the GOAT as well. Um, Again, some people would have him there. He's got his his 50-0 record, you know, very rarely ever been hit, but he is not renowned as being an exciting fighter. And as you say, that fits, Shield fits that role and that almost heel that people will tune in because they want to see her get humbled and lose. But I don't see it happening, I think. Um, Again, I don't profess to have watched either of them, their, their, their full careers, but... Marshall will take a punch to land a punch. And I think against someone like Shields, that is a dangerous approach. I think Shields will be far more defensive and inclined. And I could see Marshall getting tagged over time. But uh, it's a scrap and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be a really good one. The the undercard is, as I say, stacked in women's um, boxing terms. So you've got Caroline Dubois, who is is fighting. So brother of, of Daniel. The one that I think to keep your eye on, is uh, Mayer and Baumgarder. So these are two, again, very big um, women boxers in, in their own right. Um, clearly not quite as big as, as Shields and Marshall, but these genuinely despise each other. So if you watch any of the uh, the face-offs and the, the press conferences, they don't do this thing that you see... You know, like Wilder, for example, I don't generally believe he dislikes anyone. I think it's all a show. A little bit like Mayweather likes to be sure that he's the bad guy. You've got McGregor in UFC, tries to pretend they're the bad guy. They genuinely do dislike each other. You can quite clearly tell that. Baumgarder has, again, KO power, and then Mayer has the um, the boxing ability to try and take this. So that's a genuine 50-50 fight as well. And I think that might be talked about more, funnily enough, than the main event. So definitely want to keep your eye on always a big fan of a, a genuine rivalry and when it spills over into that pure dislike virgin on hatred of each other because you say a lot of this rivalries are manufactured these days so uh, always a big fan when it gets a bit personal adds a little edge to it makes it a little bit more nasty which is my kind of fight so um as you say stacked undercard uh undoubtedly the biggest card in in women's boxing history if not as you say the biggest fight with Shields and Marshall but yeah looking forward to it the only issue that we've got of course is that this is alongside and on at the same time as another stacked card so you're going to have to make the decision of of whether you're going to watch the biggest women's boxing event of all time or Misfits card 2 and uh, I've not had a chance to talk about (laughs) this type of boxing for many few weeks Um, let me run down it once again uh, because I know we spoke about this on a previous podcast, but let me run down the unbelievable stats card. 
So we've got Jamie Michael Swingler from the YouTube channel TGF fighting the American YouTuber Churdleys. Appears to be that's the headline fight, so obviously not one to miss. It definitely rivals uh, Shields and and uh, Marshall there. Your undercard, you've got Tom Zanetti versus Jack Bean. Apparently that's a TikToker. Tom Zanetti we know as a DJ because he's from Leeds. I don't really care much about that. Uh, Kristen Hanby, who's a YouTuber versus Swarms, the rapper. Halam Ham, the YouTuber versus DTG rapper. I'm already losing you, I can see. <laughs> I'm just shaking my idea that you sounded so knowledgeable then. I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, he's, I'm, I'm going to take my hat off to him. And then you started talking about this bullshit and really not. Who cares? Uh, the, do you know the really sad thing about this? If we we put the, the numbers side by side, and this is more indicative of society today than actually fans of boxing, I bet you more people watch that nonsense than end up watching or buying the pay-per-view for Shields Marshall. And that, to me, is a crushing indictment of society today. I don't disagree. I would say I, I think you probably, and <laughs> touch wood here, and hopefully, I hope to God, for just sanity's sake, that more people watch the uh, the Marshall and uh, Shields card. But I bet you the viewing um, figures for that Misfits, and what a fucking ridiculous name, Misfits uh, card number two are going to be massive. Because it's just full of gimps that are going to watch this. Um, what I'm, I'm, I'm using as a yardstick here was what we talked about. I can't even remember that clownish football match the other week that was at Charlton Stadium of the fucking YouTube punks, YouTube wankers versus the unfamous twats or whatever it might as well have been called. <laughs> and 2.5 million people watched it and not that many people watched Champions League, which is the elite of the elite of European football. So again, I, I'm, you've depressed me now because... That that's complete nonsense, and it will take completely take the shine away, and actually take potentially genuine fans will watch that instead of what is the most stacked card in women's history. So, you've you've reignited my frustration, and those pricks are now just below Alan Hutton on today's list of people that should get it. But I feel like that's a, a good note to end it on. I was just going to say that that started as I thought it was quite funny when I was saying it, and then. Your slight laughter turned into quite serious anger. <laughs> so. it's, it's just society today that, that you've got the biggest fighting card ever and more people will watch that nonsense of DJs and YouTubers fighting in three round, two minute fights as opposed to elite of elite pros. You're not interested to see Astrid Wet take on Keely? No. I mean, what are they, two bitches from OnlyFans? And I'm not even interested One to watch them. One of them actually does have OnlyFans. Yeah. So there you go. I'm not even interested to watch their OnlyFans, let alone watch them fight. So um, I, I hope if, if there's genuine fans out there, save your money or don't buy the YouTube Misfits or whatever it's called. Buy Shields Marshall. Watch some elite level boxing, not some nonsense. As you say, I think good point to end it there before you start throwing shit again. Um, And I need a pint anyway. So, as always, thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you next week.